Hello, everyone. I'm Neil Parks, and welcome to the program. In our study today, we cannot be mistaken about the term compromise. I would submit to you that this is maybe the greatest agitation that surrounds the bride without spot or wrinkle. And with that said, the weeds in the garden are to blame. You might ask the question, well, what do weeds have to do with compromise? That, my friends, is the theme or topic matter that we're going to talk about today. Now, I truly believe that where the church is today just happens to be following the order that Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians. Let's uh, take verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you. By any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed in the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now that Verse 3 talks about deception. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. My friends, this term, deception and falling away, is most important. Let's pick it up in verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed who the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not Receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Well, let's just ponder that for just a moment, and we're going to jump in to our scripture today. Revelation 2, verses 12 through 17. The compromising church. Verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things he says, who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Did you just hear that, folks? God is telling the church at Pergamos, Satan's throne is in their gathering. He goes on and says, And you hold fast to my name. 
and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Folks, there are weeds in the garden. Verse 14, But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Verse 16 Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, big word, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Well, folks, the church at Pergamos was infested with men of corrupt minds. Or you could say the weeds have taken over the garden. There was no fear of God in the church here. The Word of God is a sword. It is a weapon both offensive and defensive. It is in the hand of God, able to slay both sin and sinners. So the Lord says, I have a few things against you. You see, this church of Pergamos had not only opened its door doors to all comers, but got blindsided with false doctrines. God calls them out now in reference to the Old Testament prophet, or wannabe prophet, Balaam, who, by the way, was told by God not to hang out with Balak. But Balaam got on the donkey anyway, only to be scolded by the donkey. Balaam's teachings continued throughout the generation and generation and generations, along with the backsliders from the Nicolaitans movement. And that influenced filthiness of spirit and the filthiness of the flesh, which leads to corrupt worship and conversation and compromising. My friends, Balaam's teaching in the Nicolaitans cult was and is fraud and deceit. But the church allowed it. God is descending with his sword drawn to take care of the sin breakout. So obviously for them to continue in communion with persons of corrupt principles and practices— is displeasing to God when they become partakers of, get this, 
other men's sins. Now, I love how uh, the message translation talks, uh, paraphrases Psalm 50, verse 18. The message tells it this way. Next, God calls up the wicked. What are you up to? Quoting my laws, talking like we are good friends. You never answer the door when I call. You treat my words like garbage. If you find a thief, you make him your buddy. Adulterers are your friends of choice. Your mouth drools with filth, lying in a serious art form with you. You stab your own brother in the back, rip off your little sister. I kept kept a quiet patience while you did these things. You thought I went along with your game, but I'm calling you on the carpet now, laying your wickedness out in plain sight. Whew, that's powerful. And it can't get much blunter than that, wouldn't you say? In simple terms, God is stating that if you are okay with the sins of others, It is as if you have joined in it with them as well. Now he calls them to repentance. Revelation 2.16, he tells Pergamos, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly. Now observe something here. First, repentance is the duty of saints as well as sinners. It is a gospel duty. Second, it is the duty of the churches and communities as well as individuals, individual beings. Those who sin together should repent together. And it is the duty of Christian citizens to sorrow over other men's sins as far as they have been, the church, an accessory to them as well, so much as by collusion. Now, when God comes to punish the corrupt members of a church, he rebukes that church itself for allowing such to continue in its communion with him. So the word of God will take hold of sinners sooner or later, either for their conviction or their confusion. So here we have the conclusion of this letter, where, after the traditional demand of widespread awareness, there is the promise of great favor to those that overcome, that term overcome. In every one of these church letters, that term overcome is there. They shall eat of the hidden manna and have the new name and the white stone, which no man knows except the one that receives it. Now, the hidden manna that's being talked about here is the influences and comforts of the Holy Spirit of Christ in communion with him. 
coming down from heaven into the soul of man for its encouragement, to let the bride taste something of how saints and angels live in heaven. Isn't that amazing? This is hidden from the rest of the world, and it is laid up in Christ for his servants. Now, this white stone is the mark of absolution from the guilt of sin, alluding to the ancient custom of giving a white stone to those acquitted on trial and a black stone to those condemned. The new name given is the name of adoption. Adopted persons took the name of the family into which they were adopted. None can read the evidence of a man's adoption but himself. He cannot always read it. But if he endures or overcomes, he shall have both the evidence of sonship and the inheritance. A lot of information here, my friends. Let's pray. Father God, this is your word, your pure word, directly not only when John wrote it to this, to this church at Pergamos, but it's for the church today. Father God, that we have to be looking at that term compromise with fear. Father God, that term compromise is something that you hate when we compromise with the world. So, Father God, I just lift up all the churches around the world. The people that listen to this podcast, Father God, I just pray right now that they would understand that it's their duty, it's our duty, to make sure that we are not compromising and allowing Satan to have his throne within our, within our gatherings. Father, this is huge as the day approaches. Lord Jesus, I just lift up my friends, my listeners. I lift up the, the unbelievers when they come, Father God, that they're taught that compromise is not accepted. Cults and religion that is brought into the atmosphere. Yes, we are to open the doors, but we are never to compromise your word, your love. Father God, there's too much at stake here. So I just thank you, Lord, that we can come together as a body, a bride without spot or wrinkle, as we can come to you and we can repent and we can ask forgiveness. But those around us that are sinning, we lift them up to you, Lord. And we pray that you would have your way in the hearts of all people. And we pray this in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, folks, I can't wait 
to be with you next time. I'm Neil Parks.